0: Welcome to the Visions of a Better World podcast. We are part of Global Visions, an association founded in Helsinki, Finland. Our goal is to bring people and organizations together, as well as develop ideas and ways of thinking to make the world a better place. In this podcast series, our association is represented by me, project planner Petri Lahtinen and Max Dahlberg, the founder and chairperson of the association. We are also inviting guests to the podcast to discuss themes that are important in making the world a better place. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back, everyone, to the second part of the discussion we had with Alex Seger, the professor of philosophy at the Portland State University. So this is the second part of the discussion we had. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode, we highly recommend you do that before continuing on with this episode. But without any further ado, please enjoy this latter part of the discussion we had with Sega, and we hope, once again, that you enjoy the discussion we had. Okay, on with the show!
1: Central, central topic here is precisely the attitudes that people have regarding immigration and immigrants uh, and the prejudices that people have regarding this. So how do you feel these prejudices could be overcome and and, and on the other hand the other hand, what does science say about immigration and immigrants?
2: Well um, I mean two, two big questions um, there, obviously there's a lot of social science on on immigration. And at least my reading with on a, a lot of kind of central topics where people have concerns, the social science says that the concerns aren't based on what what, what we know about immigration. So I'll give you one example, uh, you know economic arguments. So you know there's this narrative that you know immigrants come and they steal our jobs and, you know they bust unions and they, they lower wages um, there are some circumstances in which competition between native workers and immigrants probably does slightly lower wages, but it tends to be very, very small. And it tends to be the type of thing that you could address if you had you know, a, a progressive tax system and redistribution you know, to the workers who are, who are competing. But you know, the economic, economics literature on, on the whole, you know, when they've studied it, sees benefits. To immigration, and so if your argument is immigration is bad economically, well, the social science doesn't support that. There's also, you know, a lot of concern, and this, these are tied to, I think, often far right, you know, narratives about, you know, immigrants as security threats or immigrants as, you know, causing crime, you know, in different ways. And, and again, there's been a lot of social science uh, scientists who have studied this, and you know, overall, what they found is there's uh, really no effect. <laughs> You know, of, of immigration, not on crime rates, and, and you know, there's quite a few studies that actually seem to suggest that immigration lowers, uh, you know, c- crime rates. So, you know, I, I, I think if you look at, you know, the social science of um, around immigration, I mean, I don't, 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 don't get me wrong. Immigration poses real challenges, and uh, you know, human mobility poses challenges, but then so do all sorts of things, you know, we, we live in a complex dynamic world uh, where there's there's a lot of work to do for justice. Um, so I'm mean, gonna I kind of put, put aside, you know, the, um, well, maybe not entirely put aside, you know, the question about social science. So there's, your, I guess your question was, you know, how do you overcome kind of anti-immigrant uh, you yeah, know, narratives? I- and, you know, that there there is, sociologists have studied this, you know, things like contact theory, you know, just, just bringing people together, putting people in proximity, Uh, help you know build solidarity between people or build bonds and seems to be a fair bit of research if this is done in the right way you know there's ways of overcoming this this conception of immigrants as as threats you know I'm I'm a philosopher and I I really think part of this question has to do with our, our larger ways of looking at the world and um one one area where I've done a, a bit of work is is actually I've taken from the social sciences. It's called the, the bias of methodological nationalism, and so it's the ways in which kind of nation state narratives, nation states categories, have influenced how we look at the world and you know how how we research it. And I, I think one of the things this does is it it characterizes immigrants as as other you know, as you know, cu- culturally different, as um, um, an anomaly that needs to be kind of explained. And so, for example, I, I think a, a lot of, not only the political discourse, but kind of academic literature as well, sees human mobility as, as a problem. And so if, if people are moving, it's the kind of thought is, well, what's going wrong? And it's true, I mean, people often do move because they see better opportunities elsewhere, or, or they're fleeing violence. But it's also very, very common you know, for, for people to, to move. Uh, just you know, think about people moving you know, within Western Europe. You know, there, there, there's a lot of it for all sorts, sorts of, of reasons. And so what, what I, I would like to see is, I'd like to see shift how we think about human movement instead of saying that it's something kind of exceptional and it's something that has to be stopped or, or addressed. We think about human movement as something that many people will make use of and then ask, how do we build political institutions so people can move safely, freely, where there are challenges, and sometimes there are? How can we structure our institutions to uh, to, to narrow them? I, I grew up in uh, in Canada, and Canada is far from perfect for all kinds of you know reasons, but um, you know the, the narrative I, I grew up in was, was was multiculturalism, and at the time there was there was Canada has a large, uh, um, you know, at least in kind of absolute terms, a large amount of immigration, you know, in that, you know, a significant part of the population of Canada are first generation immigrants. And, you know, they they would do things like have government uh, provided uh, English or French language classes, you know, for people, you know, they would have support, you know, to help them, um, you know, become employed, you know, know how to access uh, uh, education, language, and so on and so forth. And I, I wish we could think about it more that way. So instead of seeing as something bad, we think about kind of the benefits. Then, then we ask, you know, what kind of supports do we need to put in place, you know, for new arrivals, but also for people, you know, that have been there for, for a while, to to make sure that um, this is a good thing for the community. And I really believe overall. So it would be kind of a shift in thinking how we think about movement, but also how we think about community. And you know, rather than thinking of kind of you know, us versus them, really think about the global challenges. That, that all of us face and what sort of political institutions do we need to put in place and um, maybe we could talk a little bit about climate uh, yeah. here because I think climate change is a game changer and we, you know while we think about climate change we also have to think about how people one of the responses is, is, is moving. yeah and, you know how can we think about uh, making move, moving as um, well make it part of the solution? <laughs> You know, rather than securitizing it and inflicting an enormous amount of harm on people.
0: Yeah, but before moving to environmental questions, I would uh, still want to add personally that, or emphasize that, the the view that multiculturalism and the free movement of people, uh, especially from a historical point of view, uh, has been viewed as one of the key factors of of the of great historical civilizations you can take for example the ancient mediterranean culture how the cultures have quite freely moved there and then going a bit further you can think of for example the southern spain during the 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 era which is coined uh, la convivencia, the era of living together, where sort of the Muslims, uh, Christians, and Jews were uh, able to form this very rich and functional society. And then later on in Ottoman Empire. And I agree that maybe this is maybe a modern rhetoric that this sort of, that different cultures are some sort of threats to one another. Uh, But yeah, historically, I feel that a lot of the the great civilizations have been multicultural, where there's been not only free movement of people, but especially free movement of ideas that is enriching any culture. But yeah, you brought up uh, the climate and environmental issues, and this is probably the most pressing uh, issue related to uh, migration and and the movement of people and borders in the present day world, and uh, well, it's a complex topic for sure, and it's very very hard to kind of think of what what is the sort of easiest entry point to this this uh, topic, but uh, since you are talking, uh, you are advocating for for free movement, and I think you already uh, b- mentioned uh, or talked a about, bit about this uh, view, but uh, it generally held, or the idea, is general idea is that uh, nowadays the so-called global north is more responsible for, uh, let's say, overconsumption and the exploitation of natural resources that has led to the the situation where uh, the global warming, for one instance, but also a multitude of different ecological crises are now ongoing, and they form almost an existential threat to all humankind. So in this regard, uh, what do you think about open borders in the sense that uh, that people should have the freedom of movement and 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 move freely to walk from one country and to another, but also about the responsibility of the so-called global north uh, to kind of improve possibly the situation in those countries where the where our actions have caused again, uh, the sort of environmental situation where people's livelihoods and the very sort of the possibility of life is threatened.
2: Yeah, I mean, climate justice is, is a huge topic, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess one thing, you know, I, I would just want to make clear about mm. open borders. I, mm. Obviously, I, I believe that the free mobility of people is, is a good thing. But I don't think that's only one kind of dimension.
0: Yeah, it's of, not the, the only, <laughs> only solution oh. to this. Yeah,
2: you know, so t- take you know cl- climate change. I think mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, you know, people will have to relocate. I just think we've reached the point where it's just not going to be possible for people to li- live in certain places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we have to think about you know what I was going saying about thinking about mobility as a normal human strategy but also planning planning for it. You know, if, if a large number of people have to move, that's disruptive.
1: Mm. So
2: how, how can we make it as, 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 as easy as possible? How can we put the supports in place? So, you know, people, uh, and there, there's a lot of really difficult questions. Um, you know, one is, you know, if, if whole communities have to move, you know, is there a way of addressing it so they can maintain the community? you know, in a different geographical, you know, place. And that, that's a really interesting and challenging question because there, there's going to be a lot of, lot of loss, mm-hmm. you know, right there. But, um, you know, I, I think like all topics, climate justice, there has to be a multi-pronged approach. Yeah. You know, so that we have to think about all kind of, you know, the, the, the different systems we need mm-hmm. to put in place. And, you know, I guess, you know, my, my, my friends who, you know, research, this, uh, you know, kind of convinced me that, you know, we're, we're not gonna be entirely able to turn back, you know, global warming. You know, the, 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 the best we can hope for is, you know, maybe it won't be as severe as, you know, the worst case, you know, projections, but we're re- really at the, the, the stage where we have to think about, you know, it's a problem right now. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where I live, again, in Oregon, uh, and, you know, the, the West Coast of the United States, we've had terrible fires. And we've had communities that have had had to move, you know, because of that. And, you know, we're not, you know, we're able to adapt because there are enough resources in the United States to help people move. And, you know, they have insurance for their their homes and things like that. And, you know, what you find is when there's large-scale movement, this actually happens in countries like the United States more than than we would like. uh, It's not perfect, but there are systems put in place that... You know, it's 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 not as devastating in the long term as it is. You know, in some places in the world, where you know a hurricane will wipe out all the infrastructure and basically, uh, you know, cause tens of thousands of people to, to 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 lose their lives. So I think we have to think about, um, and this is kind of going into your question. I, I, I absolutely do think that the global north has enormous responsibility. Uh, you know, for its contributions to climate change, but also because of structural position in the world, <laughs> you know, yeah. to, to think about uh, um, you know, what can be done. And, you know, and, and again, I, see, um, I see, see migration as part of, of a, a, a necessary part of the response. Mm-hmm. And so what I r- really would like you to, to imagine is that, you know, when tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people have to move, we don't use the threat narrative and make the people mm-hmm. the problem you know, but rather we, we say, well, what kind of systems do we need to have? So, um, you know, this will be part of a solution.
0: Yeah. Well, since we have had only sort of easy questions, till, not <laughs> until this one, let me, let me hit you next with a hard one. Uh, since you already mentioned, yeah, that you, you, you also uh, have this view that the global North has responsibility in the environmental issue. So, uh, in the big big picture uh, it seems evident that there has to be almost from the current standpoint point there must be a, a radical transformation in in politics and econo- economics sort of like let's say a social ecological transformation that would uh, on the other hand include uh, the global north taking responsibility uh, of the environmental, Issues uh, and trying to kind of bring this global justice and the the sort of solidarity you mentioned also that we are trying to help all all each other all each other, each other in this situation, but then again supporting the freedom of and movement and open borders. So the uh, what sort of and this even though a radical transformation is needed. Uh, In reality, this probably would be a rather gradual process. So what sort of stages and steps you vision that there must be when we are getting great economic powers and political powers on board of this project where we, on the other hand, uh, engage with more more of a global solidarity, but also uh, entertain the idea of, of of dissolving borders bit by bit. So what are the sort of uh, steps that you could imagine that must be taken towards that end goal we are discussing here?
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean there, there, nobody has the answer to this yeah. question but let, mm. let let me try to say something mm. you know, that, that, that that might be useful. Mm. I mean right now there there are a lot of reasons to be pessimistic.
0: Mm.
2: You know, in, in Europe we're seeing the election of you know far right
0: mm.
2: you know political you know, parties to, to to power in in, mm. in more than a few few places and you know most of those come with um, you know really nasty anti-immigrant um, you know rhetoric and, and, and platforms and it's, it's it's easy to be pessimistic there um, you know given that the European Union is one of kind of the models for, for free movement and also a model of how you might be able to negotiate you know over time a, a free movement regime though you know again I don't want to get caught up entirely in the negatives because there, it's still a significant achievement um And, you know, also South America, which has, uh, at least in paper, um, you know, very liberal immigration policies in in a lot of countries, though that has been challenged by, you know, the millions of Venezuelans Mm -hmm. who have have left their country. But, okay, so how do you get, you know, political leaders on board? Um, Well, look, I I think there are some ways the political challenges we're facing uh, today could lead to a very, very bad State of affairs. Climate is one of them. You know, I think if we are going to succeed in addressing uh, climate change and global warming, we need a very different global approach to politics. Uh, you know, we need to figure out ways of collaborating. You know, more closely and working together towards shared goals. That in a crisis, sometimes that can happen. <laughs> But, you know, at least my kind of reading of, you know, history and politics is there, it's, it's often contingent. You know, it's having kind of the right set of leaders in, in, in place, you know, in the right moment and are able to, you know, seize on, uh, you know, work that a lot of people have been doing. But, you know, leaving that aside, um, I don't actually think open borders is as is, is, is crazy as a lot of people imagine. Um, and I actually think in a lot of cases, it's a very actually kind of sensible and sane policy. I'll just give the example of North America. Um, you know, we've had uh, you know, the North American Free Trade Agreement for some decades you know, now, and immigration was never um, uh, negotiated in, in the way that it should have been between, say, Mexico and the United States and Canada. I actually think you know right now, given the um, the, the, the demographic changes in Mexico, if you opened the you know the, the border between Mexico and uh, the U.S., at least with with people of Mexican citizenship, it probably wouldn't be an enormous amount of migration. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that there is kind of you can imagine a policy. It's hard to imagine right now, but you can imagine a policy where people would say that the sensible thing to do is to, you know, open the borders in, in, in North America. And I, you know, I, I actually suspect that between Canada and the U.S., there probably wouldn't be a lot of controversy. <laughs> if, you know, somebody somebody did that. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that I actually think uh, the cultural commonalities between Mexico and U.S. are probably equally similar to Canada and the U.S., but you know, I realize there's their there perceptions there. So, yeah, you know you, you can imagine ways this can be negotiated and has been negotiated bilaterally multi, multilaterally. Um, and I, and I think you know this is part of what I' was saying about sort of the mentality if we treat migration as normal, so what you know what we've done is we've, we've moved uh, increasingly and I actually think this has been uh, in many ways the last uh, couple of decades you know I, I think you know 9/11 in, in the US did have a major impact on how we think mm-hmm. about uh, migration. So we've moved to kind of a security narrative. Mm-hmm. this hasn't always been the, the case. Uh, you know, you don't have to be an open borders person to think that um, migration is uh, an economic issue. Yeah. And then you're gonna put in a very different set, set of policies. And s- sometimes I actually think having open borders would just be a more more efficient way of, uh, you know, getting a lot of the economic benefits or, you know, the, the other bit, um, you know is kind of the human rights vision. I, you know, we we, we deal very badly as a world with forced mi- migration. I think one of the great tragedies uh, right now are refugee camps. And, you know, the fact that refugee camps people will live there for decades. And that's just just almost, it should be kind of inconceivable because, you know, if you're, in a camp and unable to join the local society or or unable to resettle or unable to return home uh, for years, let alone decades. That's just a failure of of our our regime. And it's it's also not a very efficient way of doing things. Uh, Refugees bring great benefits to the the societies that they join. So if, if we could get more political leaders to think about this just almost in different terms, And, you know, think about it as a challenge rather than a problem. I, I, you know, I I do think we can make uh, progress. And, you know, I would go back to, uh, you know, there are examples, South America and Europe where this has been achieved. You know, I I don't see a lot of kind of hope right now, but, uh, you know, the world changes and, you know, maybe with things like climate change and a lot of the other crises, you know, maybe we'll get a shift. Where well, we start thinking, you know, what systems do we need to be in place to 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 uh, emerge into a you know more just world? And you know, I, I also think uh, you know there's, there's the Gramsci quote, quote, you know, what what is it? Uh, um, pessimism pessimism of the intellect, optimism of the will. You know that bit, and you know, and, but if you don't have optimism of the will, you know, nothing decent will ever happen. So I think we have to cling to that.
1: Mm. Here it would be interesting to ask uh, a follow-up question uh, what, what the world where, where the free movement of people would exist what, what such a world would look like and, and could it lead to some lead to some other reforms uh, how would it for instance affect the economy or inequality or the nation state or international relations or peace and war or or could it lead to some really, really utopian visions like a global basic income or a world state or things like this
2: yeah, that, I mean, that, that, that's a huge question, Max. And you know, I, again, I don't know. I, I, th- I think it's important to think about uh, free movement in terms of how it fits into a larger system. You know, if, if you have free movement and you have an, a larger system that's unjust, it could actually lead to conflict, right? Uh, and so, I, I think we have to think about all of these kind of different dimensions of justice. Um, you know, in terms of human mobility, in terms of distribution, in terms of um, voice, and you know, an equitable distribution of power. I, I think we have to think about them together. Um, I, I would say, though, I don't think you can have a fully just world without freedom of movement. And I, I think um, that it's it's actually, you know, I, I'm you know, politically, I'm I'm, I'm a cosmopolitan. And you know, I, I think that this is a much more challenging uh, political project than free movement in some ways. But I think we need to figure out, you know, what are kind of the global, the transnational, uh, you know, international, whatever the framework is. What are those institutions we need, you know, for for for, for global justice? And I, I guess I would say one component of of thinking about justice from Kind of the basis of, of a common humanity is being able to freely interact you know with, with each other and I, I think if we were able to dispel dispel some of these myths about immigrants myths about mobility i think that would, would go a long way you know to, toward, toward thinking about um you know how we could move closer to some sort, sort, sort of utopia so uh,
1: there was one thing that i started to think about during this discussion I, it's a theme or, or it's a question of of how open borders relate to nationalism so do you see that or feel that would current views on national nationalism need to change through this reform and how in 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 that case and and do you see nationalism as a challenge here?
2: yeah I, I think it's maybe it's the challenge um you know nationalism, in my view, is an exclusionary uh, view, I, and I, I realize there are political philosophers who think that you know liberalism and nationalism can be reconciled, and you can have a liberal nationalism. I, I actually have, have have doubts, and you know I, I see nationalism as something that historically has been constructed by elites, you know, in in so these nation building projects um, and. You know, I, I understand. I, th- I think I understand the perspective. You know, where people who are in favor of this talk about this builds solidarity and it builds a common cause. And, you know, maybe makes it easier to have things like like a welfare state or you know different types of uh, you know social rights. Um, I, I've never been convinced. By that argument and uh, you know the, the the dark side of nationalism and there, there absolutely is you know a way in which uh, you know ethnic nationalism uh, can be mobilized you know for things like well let's just be be, be honest you know things like genocide you know, to, to, to my mind you know far outweigh you know the benefits and I also find that you know the attempt to have sort of this liberal inclusionary nationalism it's very vulnerable to political entrepreneurs who are, are able to sort of mobilize, you know, nationalist ideas, you know, to, to exclude exclude people. And so, you know, there's the, the famous, uh, Benedict Anderson's famous book as, you know, The Nation as an Imagined Community. And, you know, it was really kind of fascinating how this very kind of recent idea has, has come, to, come to dominate uh, politics. Um, I, I really think if you're interested in global justice, we need to get beyond. Nationalism—that's not the same thing as saying that community isn't important, that culture isn't important, that identities aren't important. But the nationalist framing, at least in my view, is a largely pernicious one. And um, you know, we 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 need inclusionary uh, political communities. And um, yeah, maybe I'll stop there.
0: Yeah, maybe it would be now when we brought up nationalism uh and i feel that we're uh steering towards end of our discussion that has been uh quite interesting and, and fruitful as well but uh i feel that uh like you said that there's a lot of pessimism in the world uh about various topics also re- regarding uh free movement of people and, and, and migration and whatnot so maybe uh in the very end, I, I still want to sort of ask that: if, Do you have any sort of like, if there's one positive viewpoint that we can have here, what that what would that be? And and, and do you feel that there's any any anything that uh, individuals can do to kind of promote the change? towards a culture that is more open towards the, the change and the possibility of open borders
2: yeah you know I I would really say we should pay more attention to the ways in which people uh, do um, you know have solidarity you know across borders and and, and toward immigrants um, and I, I think we sort of lose sight of, of that um, a lot of people who move, uh, you know, people who are refugees, uh, they, they they do so. You kind of under, you know, immense adversity. Um, but they also, you know, within migrant communities, people on the move. There's a lot of solidarity. There's a lot of support. Uh, you know, these are often sort of survival networks. But you know, there there are, there are people who are taking care of each other. Uh, people, you know, throughout the migrant journey, who support people who are who are traveling. And um, there, there are a lot of organizations that are, um, you know, dedicated toward both, um, uh, um, you know, reaching out to people in need, but also advocating for for, for, for a better world. And, you know, I, I find, um, you know, just looking at things like, you know, refugee resettlement, um, uh, useful. Um, you know the the country I live in, you know, right now, the United States, there's enormous support among, you know, private citizens, you know, for helping, you know, refugees settle. And if we change the narrative and said, you know, here's, you know, what we need, you would find millions of people stepping up, you know, donating money, donating time, you know, donating expertise and resources. And, you know, it's, I think one of the, I'm sorry to go pessimistic again, you know, one of the most, you know, disturbing trends has been criminalizing uh, people who are helping migrants. So, you know, criminalizing people who are trying, who are, you know, rescuing migrants, you know, in the Mediterranean, for example, yeah. or providing shelter or, you know, putting up supplies in the desert in, in the U S and that, that's horrible. But at the same time, what it means is there are people who are really willing to risk, you know, punishment, uh, because they care about other people and, you know, they care about justice. And I just want to focus there. You know, we, we sometimes we think about xenophobia, but we should also think about the many ways in which uh, people care about each other. Uh, you know, irrespective of you know the place of origin or the language or, or the religion. And it's not just a few people. It's it's actually I I, I would go so far to argue that it's actually probably a majority. That a lot of the anti-immigrant sentiment is is a very very vocal, vocal you know intentionally committed minority. But you know, often if you look at your public opinion polls and you, you frame them in the right way, most people do support uh, you know, migration. Well, um, maybe that's, that's an overstatement, but in, in many cases, you know, the majority of people do. And so we should sometimes focus on those people you know, rather than the people who oppose
1: it.
0: Do you have still anything, Max, to add or ask?
1: Uh, no, I'm I'm really happy with this discussion. This was really interesting and, and fruitful and yeah, I'm really happy with this. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, this been it's it's been really, really, really great discussion. I, I I didn't know what to look forward going into this discussion, but it's been a great pleasure to hear uh, your views and theories and, and takes on this important matters Alex and I I, I, for my my part want to thank you very much for this discussion it's been really great
2: well thank you so much for having me it's
0: been a real pleasure to to chat with both of you thank you for listening to our podcast you can find us at www.globalvisions.fi check out also Max's book which is available to download for free at www.abmissionofabetterworld.net. We are also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Discord. Everyone is welcome to take part in our activities and discussion, which is an invitation to reflect on how to make the world a better place.